Well, hello there, dear friend, and thank you for tuning in, and welcome to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible. And this is the program where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. You're listening to Hugh Heenan, currently ministering out of Trinity Gardens, Seventh-day Adventist Church, uh, right here in Adelaide, as well as Faith Adventist Centre in Mawson Lakes in this same beautiful city of South Australia. And I'm delighted to be able to spend the next hour with you as we explore this week's continued theme of the church and creation in a post-biblical era, or at least it seems like it's becoming increasingly like a post-biblical or um, culturally, uh, biblically illiterate era in which we're living today. But more particularly, today's related topic in this week's uh, theme is, uh, what do the Gospels say? about biblical creation. It's really interesting to think about what does the uh, what does the book of Genesis say? That's so often what the focus is when we talk about matters of creation, of evolution, of origins. Uh, we often think of the Genesis of all things, so we, we run to the book of Genesis. But what do the Gospels say about biblical creation? And uh, so with this in mind, uh, I've got a great joy of, of having a new uh, a guest and co-host uh, with me uh, for the drive time today, uh, and that is uh, Ricardo Schaeffer. Uh, now, Ricardo Schaeffer is becoming uh, better known here on Faith FM, uh, here on Drive Time Big Q&A. He's uh, taken a number of sessions over a number of weeks now uh, with some other presenters, and it's such a great joy to be able to have him not so much on the other side of the desk with me this evening, but certainly on the other side of the phone. Uh, this is a little bit something new to me. I hope that it all runs uh, runs to plan, but uh, let's just check in and see if Ricardo's with us uh, this evening. Ricardo, are you there? Hello, Hugh. It's a privilege and a delight for me to be here once again joining this program. Oh, wonderful to have you with us, Ricardo. And I've looked forward to actually sitting down with you, or at least uh, hanging on the other end of the phone with you, shall we say. Uh, and yes. uh, it's it's good to uh, to be able to finally uh, do this together. Now, now, of course, I've just shared with our mm-hmm. listeners that um, the connection that I have to, to Adelaide here, um, you've got a recent connection with Adelaide as well, and you're ministering out of uh, uh, certain parts of this beautiful city as well. Would, would you like to share that with our listeners this evening? Yes, I'm currently pastoring at College Park and Wistow, church up on the hills. Mm. College Park, obviously, is in the near the city. Yes, yes, that's right. In fact, uh, there's a bit of a connection between you and I there, isn't there? Because you're literally just uh, down the road and around the corner and down the road a little bit further uh, from from where I'm situated at Trinity Gardens. And so uh, our, our two churches are, are kind of like uh, semi-neighboring churches, uh, so to speak. And uh, so yes. it's only natural to have the two of us uh, here on the airwaves uh, <laughs> together on drive time uh, for today. Uh, and I've got to tell you, um, we're all excited to hear what you're going to share with us uh, about the Gospels and creation. Because, of course, uh, you know, we so often focus upon the book of Genesis, but what does Jesus say about creation? Because uh, I think that's probably the key question. Would, would, you, uh, would you agree? That's very important for us all as Christians. We need to be aware of what Christ thought about this topic. Because mm, mm, he is the, the center, he's the author and the finisher of our faith, isn't he? Amen. That's mm, right. Absolutely. Well, we have a little bit of a tradition here at uh, Drive Time Big Q and A, uh, and that is that we we certainly love to uh, uh, to dive into some of the the big, deep, and relevant and contemporary questions of our age, and to see it through the the eternal lens of God's Word. But we we also like to uh, uh, spend a little bit of time towards the beginning of our program, <clears throat> just considering a a a. Uh, a 
I guess you'd say, some of the news headlines when it comes to matters of religion and of faith uh, in the world today. And I'd like to do that in a few moments. But just to, uh, I guess, tantalize the the appetite and taste buds of our listeners, let me just uh, uh, give a little something away. And that is that I came across an article in the news media that was talking about the importance or the the heightened awareness of the uh, religiosity or the, I guess you could say, the religious affiliation of our prime ministers and uh, and you know what the what that is for our new and incoming prime minister uh anthony albanese and so after the break we're going to come back together again we're going to explore this together and talk about how this can uh, maybe possibly shape our understanding of the political and religious space uh, here in Australia and, and the extent to which that uh, may or or may not be uh, so important so um just before we do, though, I'm going to uh, slide across to hear a beautiful song by Chris Rice. It is called This Is My Father's World. This is my father's world And to my listening ears All nature sings and round me rings of the spheres This is my Father's world I rest me in the thought Of rocks and trees Of skies and seas His hand the wonders This is my father's world The birds their carols raise The morning light, the lily white Declare their maker's praise This is my father's world He shines in all that's fair In the rustling grass I can hear him pass He speaks to me everywhere This is my father's world Oh, let me ne'er forget That though the wrong Seems oft so strong God is the ruler, yeah This is my Father's world The battle is not done Jesus who died will be satisfied And earth and heaven be one This is my Father's world The battle is not done Jesus who died be satisfied and earth and heaven be one and earth and heaven be one and earth and heaven be You're listening to The Drive Time Show on Faith FM, coming to you live from Adelaide. 
You certainly are. It's good to be uh, here with you in and beautiful Adelaide for the Drive Time Big Q&A. And uh, today we are looking at, uh, again, some of the big questions uh, that are important in the world today but uh, have been uh, forever important as well. And the one that we've focused on is what do the Gospels say about biblical creation? But before we get to that, as we were saying before the break, we uh, have tonight with us uh, Ricardo Schaeffer. Uh, he's one of our, our newest uh, uh, pastoral uh, members or members of our pastoral team here uh, in South Australia, here in Adelaide. And it's so good to, to have uh, Ricardo with us. Great to have Delighted you here. Great to be here. Ah, wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> good to hear your voice. And uh, uh, the question we were asking ourselves before we went uh, to the break was uh, uh, with regards to something which the Sydney Morning Herald considered to be quite important. And a lot of uh, media and news media like to pose the question regarding the religiosity, the degree to to which um, perhaps a leader or prime minister in this case uh, has an affinity or affiliation with a certain religion or denomination. And uh, it was interesting to look at uh, what a recent article just before the election had to say about our, our who is now our incoming uh, and new prime minister uh, here in Australia, and that is uh, Anthony Albanese. And uh, so a new government, a new prime minister. And so the natural question that people will tend to ask is, well, who is Anthony Albanese? And one of the aspects of that question is, well, uh, what is his underlying, what are his underlying values and, and uh, fundamental beliefs? Uh, and how does that shape and shape him as a person and his view and worldview uh, of uh, the world and nation around him and of the many different issues that, that he will face as the leader of uh, this uh, this nation of Australia. So uh, really important question for many. Uh, and uh, what the uh, article highlights, and I'm reading here from Faith, Politics in Australia's Run of Religious PMs, uh, is, uh, and this is again from the Sydney Morning Herald of uh, May 19, so a little while ago, not too long ago, just before the election, and just highlighting the fact that uh, Anthony Albanese uh, has a uh, a connection with uh, and an affiliation with the uh, Roman Catholic Church uh, here in Australia, and uh, and uh, they were highlighting the fact that uh, that he has a close relationship or a reasonably close relationship with the Archbishop, the Roman Catholic Archbishop of Sydney, uh, Anthony. Fisher, uh, and uh, was saying recently, <clears throat> uh, rather coyly perhaps, that uh, that I know His Grace very well and that we meet regularly. Uh, now, this is not the first time we've had a Prime Minister of... Uh, of uh, religious faith or of Christian faith, of course. Our outgoing prime minister was uh, and is a uh, Pentecostal Christian. Uh, and uh, prior to him, we had uh, Malcolm Turnbull, who himself was was Roman Catholic, and uh, naturally uh, Tony Abbott before him was uh, Roman Catholic and is Roman Catholic as well. Uh, and then famously, going back a little way, uh, John Howard was a, uh, a practicing member of the Anglican Church or High Church of England. So... Uh, yeah, interesting to consider the part or, or role that religion plays in the life, the thinking, and the leadership of the Prime Minister of Australia. Um, and I guess the question that needs to be asked is, is this important? The media seems to think it's important, and they often ask candidates, you know, how will you being Pentecostal, how will you being uh, Baptist or Adventist or, um, or Buddhist or Hindu, or in this case uh, Roman Catholic, how will that affect your thinking on issues as the Prime Minister of the country? And I wonder, um, Ricardo, um, we've got you here on air with us this evening. How important do you actually think this is? The media thinks it's very important, but how important is it really 
with regards to what the Bible has to say about leadership uh, in a nation? Sure. Um, well, uh, although religious affiliation is a personal thing, it's a private thing, uh, it can certainly affect the um, our country because it affects the decisions that the leadership um, are taking. Um, I can share with you, for example, what the Bible says about um, what actually God thinks about the leadership. Um, we know from the Bible that God was displeased with King Saul because um, he was not willing to do um, exactly what God commanded. Mm. And when God uh, chose King David, he mentions in the Bible that David was a man according to his own heart because he did um, whatever God said. Um, so as you can see, according to God's point of view, yes, it is important. Uh, your attitude towards God is important because it can affect the ones that you're leading. And certainly it has importance. And we should take that into consideration before voting, um, I would say. Mm. <clears throat> Interesting, yes. So so it's important for us to consider as biblical Christians, as people of conscience and of faith and uh, who, who want to see uh, the very best of, of God's uh, spirit and of the fruits of his spirit at play yes. within the land, to consider you know, what are the values of the different candidates that uh, we are called upon to consider as we vote. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important that we, we do that and we vote in good conscience and we vote according to biblical principles. Um, and you've, you've outlined there, of course, that uh, how a leader, uh, the beliefs of a leader – will inevitably begin to uh, have uh, a flow-on effect to the way that they govern. Uh, yes. Yeah. I guess uh, in this article it was really interesting to note that uh, uh, some uh, historical uh, research has been done in this area, and some historians have pointed out, uh, and this is from uh, uh, the historian Warhorst, uh, that uh, interest in prime ministerial religiosity has been really rekindled in the past decade, particularly with some of the the watershed issues that we've faced societally. Um, But uh, that, fascinatingly enough, those who took religion seriously have actually been in the minority. Um, Eleven compared with 16 who didn't take religion particularly seriously, which might come as a surprise uh, to our listeners uh, to to think that uh, even in the earlier years of the Federation here in Australia that there were a number of Prime Ministers who were openly atheist, agnostic, or perhaps uh, a little uh, mutedly so, shall we say, in, in earlier times. Mm-hmm. Uh, people like Bob Hawke, Billy Hughes, Gough Whitlam uh, were very much uh, of that bent. But uh, uh, when it comes to... Uh, to the recent run of prime ministers, it's become quite clear uh, that there has been um, a significant run of those who uh, of, uh, of of Christian persuasion, and and yes, some who yes. may in fact be uh, drawing upon a religious affiliation without actually having taken it all that seriously themselves. Some have taken it very seriously, but others not so much. Um, the Bible actually points out that uh, that uh, I guess. There was a when, when Christ roamed the earth, when he walked the earth, that um, there was no such thing as a Christian government uh, of any kind uh, in the world, so to speak. And uh, in fact, there was a, the Roman Empire that was in in the world and at play at that time. Uh, and, and Romans thirteen has something to say, interestingly enough, about this. The Apostle Paul, uh, who in fact suffered quite a quite a lot at the hands of the government of his time, uh, and yet was also helped. Uh, by the government of his time, 
uh, in some ways too, that um, that he encouraged uh, Christians to be subject to the governing authorities for there's no authority except that which God has established. Uh, now that's a really interesting concept, this idea that... Uh, uh, that even, uh, let's say, a, a paganistic or an atheistic government might be leading uh, in that territory or that, that sovereignty, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, we're still called upon to uh, be subject to such governing authorities. Uh, do, do you have any thoughts with regards to, to that interesting question or, or aspect to things there, um, uh, Ricardo? I think, it, I think it's important for us all as Christians uh, before voting, to ask ourselves the question: um, Is this uh, leader going to please God? Going to honor God with his decisions? And uh, really, our votes should be based on around that question. Mm. If we see that um, a future um, leader is not going to operate according to to God's will, he's not going to. It's going to trample upon God's principles, then mm-hmm. as Christians, we should not support that. Yes. Yes, this is very true, isn't it? And yet, uh, in insofar as it is possible for us, just borrowing a phrase that Paul uses elsewhere in the New Testament, uh, we need to be at peace with all, all men and all, all people, don't we? And uh, he says here in uh, Romans 13, he says, this is also why you pay taxes for the authorities of God's servants who give their full time to governing. Yes. None of us likes to hear that because not, not too many people like paying tax. But give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. So uh, clearly, uh, it's important to have order and to have uh, leadership in the land uh, and to Mm -hmm. honor that as far as we possibly can uh, until such time as it uh, transgresses God's law or or goes so far as to trample, as you were saying, uh, Ricardo, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, openly. Uh, Yes, whoever the the nation chooses as a a leader, we should be be willing to... uh, uh, to respect uh, as far as our conscience allows us. Mm, absolutely. That's very well said. As Jesus himself says, and we're going to be spending some time in the Gospels this evening and hearing what Jesus says about creation, and Jesus himself speaking about uh, civil leadership, he talks about the fact that render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and render or give to God what is God's. And so uh, you know, there's two sides to that coin, literally, pardon the pun. Uh, but uh, very clearly, uh, we have responsibilities, just like we have responsibilities within our household to each other and within our communities, we have a responsibility more civilly, I guess, socially uh, within the uh, the the, uh, the market square of society, that social contract that we all are a part of, but more importantly, that great eternal covenant that we have with God uh, that makes sense and, and brings profound significance and sense making to uh, to the uh, to to I guess the civil. Uh, discourse that we find ourselves a part of. So, yeah, really interesting uh, question to explore there. Um, but uh, yes, uh, so Anthony Albanese is uh, not so much perhaps a, a practicing Roman Catholic, but certainly is um, someone who's affiliated with with that uh, denomination. Uh, and uh, it is interesting to think about you know the impact <clears throat> of our beliefs. And I think probably for all of us, we need to consider: well, what's the impact of my beliefs, of my God-given beliefs, of 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 God's eternal truth? Uh, upon me and upon the way that I live and interact with others, uh, even before we begin to think about prime ministers. Uh, so, 
Anyway, interesting thought, and uh, we're going to now begin to turn our attention towards, again, the Gospels and what Jesus says, but this time about creation and uh, and perhaps a little bit about who Jesus is himself. And uh, Ricardo is going to take us through that. And uh, But before we do move in that direction, Ricardo, I'm thinking we'll, we'll uh, have another great song. And uh, this is uh, from Echelon, and it's called Fearfully and Wonderfully. I am fearfully and wonderfully made By the God who knit the stars in their place By the very same hand Set the water from the land I am fearfully and wonderfully made Saw me and you knit my form The place where only you could see Before a word was on my tongue You knew the day set out for me I am fearfully and wonderfully made By the God who knit the stars their place by the very same hand who set the water from the land I am fearfully and wonderfully made when I rise on morning's wings dwell beneath the crushing sea Make my bed in fields of stone Your right hand is there to lead I am fearfully and wonderfully made By the God who knit the stars in their place By the very same hand Set the water from the land I am fearfully and wonderfully made Your works are wonderful Your works are wonderful I'm covered up by night There's nothing my poor eyes can do You make the night as bright as day Cause darkness is as light to you I am fearfully and wonderfully made By the God who knit the stars same hand who set the water from the land I am fearfully and wonderfully made I am fearfully and wonderfully 
by the God who lit the stars in their place, by the very same hand who set the water from the land, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Michael, the station director here at Faith FM. Faith FM is almost 11 years old and it's been incredible to see how God has used us to change lives around Australia in every community we reach. I'd like to invite you to partner with Faith FM in supporting and growing your station by giving whatever God calls you to share. You can go to faithfm.com.au slash donate or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM to see how you can make a difference. Thanks for listening. Yes, you certainly can. It's so good to have you here on Faith FM with us uh, at the Drive Time Big Q&A as we talk about the big questions, the important questions in the world today and from an eternal perspective. Uh, now, I have with me this evening uh, Ricardo Schaeffer, a fellow minister of the gospel here in Adelaide, South Australia, this beautiful state uh, here in Australia. And uh, uh, before we jump into our topic today, and Ricardo is going to be taking us through the topic of of creation and what do the gospels say? What does Jesus say about creation and about this matter of creation and evolution? So uh, that's our our um, focus this uh, this drive time. And uh, but before we drive or dive or drive into that, you could say uh, we're going to uh, be taking a look here at um, uh, or at least offering to you a, a very inspo- important and inspirational free offer. And uh, today's free offer is uh, creation and evolution. It's a wonderful book. It's uh, a thoughtful look at the evidence that a master designer created our planet and uh, what it does is it uh, it uh, compares uh, these these two and uh, looks at the evidence prayerfully searches and then uh, allows the reader to draw their own conclusions uh, so a really interesting uh, read uh, are we the random product of millions of years of natural selection or did a loving god create this earth uh, is the bible teaching of a literal six-day creation viable uh uh, given the scientific evidence pointing toward evolution, or can both theories be successfully bl- blended uh, into one? So some really intriguing questions that are explored there in that book, uh, and uh, we hope that it will help to provide the, the listener uh, with uh, greater firmer evidence for uh, their biblical underpinnings of faith. Um, so uh, in order to get your free offer of this this book, all you need to do is to text the code word SA, that's capital S, capital A, 47. So SA 47 to 488 uh, And uh, then uh, the giveaway bot will reply asking for your details, and uh, uh, you just simply have to provide those. And so you can text the code word SA uh, sorry, 48, SA48, I should say, uh, to uh, 048880811. That's code word SA48. All right. Well, uh, we hope that you'll be blessed by that free offer. And uh, we're now going to turn towards uh, Ricardo and to turn towards uh, towards our attention towards God and towards the Bible. And be, as we do, let's uh, just bow our heads before God. 
Father, we just want to bow our hearts before you this evening, and we just ask that uh, as we explore and open your word, uh, that you will uh, help uh, us uh, to understand in, in new and insightful ways what you have to share about the origins and the beginnings of life and where life is leading. And so we want to thank you for the inspirational, life-changing words of Jesus Christ and what Ricardo is going to be sharing with us in this drive time about what Jesus and the Gospels have to say about creation. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, Ricardo, uh, what do the Gospels share? What does Jesus say about creation? Thank you, Hugh. Um, Yes, um, a number of Christians today believe in theistic evolution, which generally takes the position that evolution happened, but that a creator or intelligence was somehow involved in the process. So, in other words, it tries to marry the theory of evolution with the creation account found in the Bible. Um, in order to, for us to see what Jesus thinks about, um, theistic evolution, we need to know who Jesus is according to the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so I have a few, um, Bible verses to share with you because, um, I, I, I don't just want to share my own opinion. I just want to allow the Bible to explain it itself. Mm-hmm. So, um, the first, um, Bible verse I, I have here is John 17 verse 5. When Jesus was praying to his father, he said this, um, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Okay? So the Bible claims, in the words of Jesus as well, that Jesus existed before creation. Uh, in Genesis 1.1, obviously we all know that. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, but who are we talking about here? Mm. When we go to John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, it says again, in the beginning, you see the same, the same words, mm. in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And obviously, we all know the meaning of the word all. So it, it says, mm. all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Mm. So John is making this point very clear. Um, And then down in verse 14, it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's none other than Jesus. Um, So in these verses, we see that um, Jesus is none other than our creator. And so I've got some more verses here to, to show us a bit more. Uh, Colossians 1, 16 to 17, it says, For by him, referring to Jesus, all things, again, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things consist. Again, Paul very clear when he says that in verse 19 same chapter he says for it pleased the father that in him that is in jesus all the fullness should dwell that is all the fullness of the godhead of god himself of his divinity Uh, we see here that the bible presents jesus as god our creator the same thing is said in hebrews 1 verses 1 to 3 where it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, 
has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, that is Jesus, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the, listen to this, the express image of his person mm. and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. I think the Bible is clear when he uh, when the Bible says that Jesus is God himself, the mm. creator of the world. It's it's a very unavoidable conclusion, wouldn't you agree? That uh, you know, you've, you've just quoted quite a number of verses there in the scriptures, and not just uh, ones in a little corner somewhere, but because uh, of course all all God's word is is inspired by God. But uh, but major passages that you've referred to there that make it clear that that Jesus has a unique perspective. He's not just thinking and wondering by faith what happened way back there at the origins. Uh, yes. he, he's actually God. Uh, he he uh, is the personhood of God. And, uh, and therefore, uh, uh, he can speak authoritatively what, to what actually occurred way back at creation. Would, would you agree? Yes, and he made that claim while he was on this earth um, in John eight fifty eight and 59. Mm. When he was talking to the Pharisees, um, Jesus said to them, it says here, Most assuredly, you see, when he says most assuredly, there's no doubt about it. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Mm. Then they took up stones, it says here, to throw at him. Obviously, they understood what he was um, making himself uh, with those words. Mm. Uh, they knew that he was making himself God. But Jesus was right. They did not believe him. That's why they wanted to stone him. Yes. Um, <laughs> a few chapters um, down the book of John, uh, John 10, verses 30 and 31, Jesus again says something very similar. He said, I and my Father are one. Mm. And the next verse again says, Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. <laughs> they could not resist that statement. Yes. You know, that was a blasphemous statement, yes. uh, which is true. You know, to, to, to claim that a, a mere man can, mm. can be one with God or the same as God, it, it, it is blasphemy. Uh, but it, 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 uh, the reality is that Jesus was not committing blasphemy because he was indeed God himself mm. in human flesh at the same time. Yes. So when we think about that, um, in Isaiah 46, verse 9, God says, For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none other like me, right? Um, so God is very, very categorical here. Mm. No one else. Very, very exclusive in this in this sense. And then in Philippians 2, 6, we find uh, when he talks about Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Mm. So <laughs> the only thing that is equal to God is God. Yes, right? this is true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's a one of a kind, you know. The, one of a kind. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess, I guess you could throw into the mix there the fact that uh, also in Isaiah that uh, Isaiah, by inspiration of God, proclaims that uh, God says that uh, before me there was no God, and after me there shall not be. Um, so there is, yes. there's, there's one God, and uh, we we find uh, that 
he was incarnated. He became one with us through Jesus Christ. So, yeah, either Jesus was committing blasphemy or he wasn't because he actually exactly. is God. <laughs> and, uh, but that also means that he has a unique perspective on creation, doesn't it? That's right. God is the only one who can give us an exact uh, a, or a, a very trustworthy um, opinion on creation or evolution, what he thinks about it. Mm. Um, uh, you know, we, we're very, very sure that Jesus made the claim that he is God. Yes. And, and, and according to the Bible, because there's nothing else like God none other like him. Yes. When Jesus says that I and my Father are one, he's not making himself a lesser God. No. You know, God is God. And yes. if he says that he's God, then, then he's God mm. to the fullest. Mm. And, and while he was on earth, he, he did things that only God can do. Mm. Apart from healing the sick, he forgave sins, which mm -hmm. is only an attribute of God. He accepted worship, mm -hmm. which is something that only God deserves. Yes. Um, I like the verse in John twenty twenty eight when Thomas mm. answered and said to Jesus, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus never rebuked him. Like, for example, an angel rebuked John in the book of Revelation, mm. chapter 22, verse 9. When John bowed down to worship the angel, the angel rebuked John and True. said, you worship God. You know, <laughs> I'm just a, yes. a co-servant with you. Mm. The angel himself said that, but here you see Jesus accepting worship. So no doubt about it, Jesus claims he is the creator God. So yes. since Jesus is our creator God, it is essential to see how God viewed, sorry, how Jesus viewed the early chapters of Genesis. Because the argument is that Genesis chapters 1 to 11 are just a fairy tale. Um, and so uh, Jesus himself believed that the scriptures are the truth. He said in, in John 17, 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Mm. So Jesus uh, defends the, the, the Bible, the scriptures, as the word of God, the truth. And um, Jesus referred to Bible characters mentioned in the early chapters of Genesis as real people. Um, let me give you some examples. In Matthew 19, 4 to 5, he referred to Adam and Eve. It says there, and he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. See, he's referring to Adam and Eve there as mm. real people. Um, the same thing with Abel in Matthew 23, 35. Uh, it says, that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, uh, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah. Here Jesus is mentioning Abel as a real person who really existed. Um, another example I have here to share is uh, Noah and the flood. These are not fairy tales. Matthew 24, 37 to 39, in the words of Jesus, he said, but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Mm. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. 
So that's really important, isn't it, Ricardo? Mm-hmm. Because that points out that uh, when Jesus speaks of these past events, they still have uh, uh, resonant relevancy right on through to the future times just before the, the second coming mm-hmm. of Jesus. So they continue to have relevancy to today, don't they? Uh, definitely. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Are there other examples perhaps that uh, you can point to that, that Jesus refers to? Um, yes, yes. Um, um, from the one that I just shared, we, we can see that uh, according to Jesus, Noah was a real person. Mm. The flood really happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also referred to Abraham um, when he talked to the Pharisees again in John eight fifty six to 58. He mm-hmm. said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? (laughs) Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Categorically, two things we can see in this verse, that Jesus categorically was saying, I am, you know, Yahweh, I am the one. And and, and Abraham was a real person as as well. Uh, another interesting and, and just on that, by the way, it sounds yes. like he was he was uh, reporting like someone who was actually there. Uh, and uh, when you consider that Abraham True. was called the friend of God, uh, well, I guess you could say they're on a personal friendship level long before that time. Yes, yes, and it's because he actually was there. Yes, uh, he, yes, he became flesh, but it doesn't mean that he started his existence when he became flesh. He, he mm. was, you know, co-eternally existing with God because he is God. Mm. Uh, he also mentioned uh, Lord Sodom and Gomorrah in Luke seventeen twenty-eight to thirty and verse thirty-two. Um, the listeners can can uh, check this out at home, and it says here, likewise as it was also in the days of Lot. You see how he mentions Lot as a real person. Mm. It says they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built, but on the day that Lot went out of Sodom. It rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed? And then it says, verse 32, remember Lord's wife as well. So what what catches my attention here is that if Sodom and Gomorrah were fictional cities, how could they serve as a warning for future judgment? Mm, That's a good point. Right? They really existed. And they are mentioned in the early chapters of um, Genesis, Mm. which a lot of people think it's just a a fairy tale. There are many passages in the New Testament when Jesus actually quotes from the early chapters of Genesis in a very historical way, like the one we mentioned before, Matthew 19, 46. Jesus is actually quoting from Genesis 1, 27 and Genesis 2, 24 which I really like this verse because um, some people believe that Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are two different accounts written by maybe different authors or coming from different sources. But here in these verses, Matthew 19, 46, Jesus combines the two chapters as mm-hmm. as coming from the same source. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, uh, verse 4, um, And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning may, uh, made them male and female, and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Mm. So um, verse 4 comes from Genesis 1, and verse 5 is quoted from Genesis 2. Uh, he, he does it in a very historical way. 
Jesus clearly states that these words came from the Creator, as we just read. Uh, haven't you heard that he who made them at the beginning did this or said that? So he claims mm -hmm. that these words came from the Creator. Mm -hmm. And there is no indication that he understood these passages as an allegory or fiction. Mm. So Jesus was really clearly <clears throat> taking these as literal events, ones in which he's personally invested and that have continuing relevance to his time and to the times in which we're living right here now right. and today. Yeah. That's right. That's why I thought it, it, it was important for us to spend some time looking at what the Bible says Jesus is, who he claims he is, Now that we know that he is none other than God, our creator God, now we can spend a little more time um, speaking about what Jesus understands about evolution, specifically mm. about um, theistic evolution, you know, mm. how they try to marry the concept of uh, the theory of evolution and the account of creation as found in the Bible. Mm. Intriguing Would question. Sh yes. Shall we uh, shall we come back to that uh, after taking a short break? Yes, and, of course. Uh, and then at that time, it'd be really interesting to hear what uh, Ricardo has to share. I, I hope our listeners will be leaning in to want to know what does Jesus say about this great debate between creation and evolution. Uh, well, now just uh, for our little break time here, we have a beautiful song called For the Beauty of the Earth, performed by Eclipse 6. <laughs> Skies for the love. 
so much to be thankful and grateful for every single day, no matter what that day contains, when we think about that that day has been made and made possible by our Creator God. And uh, we've been listening to Ricardo here on Drive Time Big Q&A uh, with Faith FM and uh, yeah, listeners it's been so good to, to hear some insights into what do the Gospels in fact, what does Jesus have to say about creation? Just a reminder to our listeners that we have a free offer that's available to all of you today. All you need to do uh, to get this free offer, which is called, it's a book called uh, Creation and Evolution, a great book. It's a thoughtful look at the evidence that a master designer created our planet. And all you need to do is to text the code word SA48, that's capital S, capital A, 48, SA48, to 04888-80811. That's SA48, text that through to 04888-80811. Well... Let's turn our attention back to Ricardo. It's been a very stimulating hour we've spent with you uh, today, Ricardo, and uh, uh, I'm sure that uh, our listeners are keen to know, what does Jesus have to say about this great debate between creation and Thank evolution? You, it's a pleasure to be here once again. Um, as, uh, as we were mentioning at the beginning, uh, a number of Christians today believe in theistic evolution, which is basically a position that states that evolution happened, but that God was somehow involved in the process. So they, they tried to, to combine the theory of evolution with the creation account as found in the Bible. So now that we understand that Jesus, and the Bible says it very clearly, Jesus is our creator God, what does he think about theistic evolution? So um, in Mark 10, verse 6, Jesus said, but from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. Notice this. Adam and Eve were there at the beginning of creation on day six. Not billions of years after the beginning of creation. Mm. Um, so because according to theistic evolution, humans appeared billions of years after the beginning of creation, right? So, in other words, God created some sort of um, uh, a cell or, or, or a microorganism that in millions and billions of years evolved into a human being. That's what the theistic evolution um, claims, that humans appeared billions of years after the beginning of creation. Yet Jesus said that Adam and Eve were there since the beginning of creation, according to this verse. You see? 
Yeah, <clears throat> that, that, that's very clear, isn't it, actually? I think so. Yeah. And not only did Jesus mention Adam and Eve at the beginning, or existing at the beginning of creation, but also his son Abel as well. In Luke chapter mm-hmm. 11, verses 49 to 51, we find this. I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute. That the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world, Mm -hmm. may be required of this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah. So Abel's murder occurred, according to Jesus, from the foundation of the world. Mm, That's very clear, isn't it? (laughs) So the human race appeared at the beginning of creation, on day six, not after billions of years after the beginning of creation mm. or after a long evolutionary process. Mm. Um, another Bible verse that makes this, makes this uh, really clear is Genesis 1, verses 26 to 27. Because there we see that when God created the human race, he created them according to his image, not according to the image of a, of a, of a microorganism or, or a mm. monkey. Mm. It says there, then God point. said, yes, indeed. Then God said, let us make man in our image, not in the image of an animal or a microorganism. He said, mm. let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Full stop. Mm. Uh, no question about it. When God created created the human race, he created us in his image. Mm. So that is clear from, from that verse alone. Um, also, the genealogy of Jesus that we find in Luke chapter 3. Listeners, you can read that from verses 23 to 38. That takes us back through real people from Jesus to Joseph, then from Joseph to Heli, then from Heli to Matat, and so forth, until we get to Adam. It takes us back from Jesus to Adam. So my point here is, if Adam was a fiction, then so was Jesus. Mm. Right. So, um, so we can't uh, simply say, "Well, I accept Jesus, uh, but I don't accept Genesis." Uh, exactly. The two are inextricably, you know, they're, they're interwoven together. They cannot be pulled apart. And Jesus is making some really clear claims, isn't he, uh, here about uh, about what was occurring at the foundation of the world, uh, right there at the start, and yes. it was at creation week or and thereafter. Um, exactly. what, what are we to conclude from this, uh, would you say, Ricardo? If you were to, to wrap this up, uh, mm-hmm. how, how would you summarize uh, what you've been sharing with us tonight? And, and by the way, listeners, if you want to listen to more of this, tune back in via our Faith FM website because uh, I think you'll probably want to re-listen to what Ricardo's been sharing with us tonight. It's been excellent uh, what uh, he's taken us through. But Ricardo, how would you summarize what, uh, what we've covered t- uh, this evening? Um, in one occasion, Jesus clearly said that... Uh, uh, he, he said to the Pharisees, if you believe Moses, you would believe me. So he, he made it clear that his teachings were closely connected to those of Moses. And Moses, in Exodus twenty eleven, again said it very clearly that 
the heavens and the earth were made in six literal days. So how do we conclude uh, this topic? Um, Paul exhorts us that we are to have the mind of Jesus, 1 Corinthians 2.16, and also the attitude of Jesus, Philippians 2.5. So as Christians, whatever Jesus believed and taught about creation should also be what we believe and teach. If we accept evolution or theistic evolution, we deny the creator, Jesus Christ. Mm. That would be um, my summary of of the topic. Very well said. And so if we if we deny <clears throat> Jesus as the Lord of heaven and earth, the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of creation, we're actually also denying him as the Lord of our salvation. And uh, we really find ourselves in, in quite a quagmire, in a really difficult position then, don't we? Uh, if we don't understand the origins uh, of all things and of faith and of uh, the natural world, uh, then we really also don't have a future. So thank you so much this evening uh, for sharing with us, Ricardo. Really enjoyed uh, having you on and we hope to have you on many more times again because uh, I'm sure our listeners would agree that was a very um, stimulating and uh, insightful uh, coverage of what the Gospels and what Jesus has to say about creation. Um, Well, I wonder, Ricardo, would you be happy to, to pray for us as we close? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for all your um, treasures that you've placed in the Bible for us to discover daily. Um, thank you for revealing yourself as the creator of the world and of ourselves. Help us to worship you as such. Help us to recognize you as our um, loving God and creator. And we look forward to seeing you when you come the second time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ricardo. Thank you, listeners. And we'll look forward to having you next time on Drive Time BQ&A. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You've been so, so good to me Before I took a breath You breathed your life in me You've been so, so kind to me Oh, the overwhelming, never Love of God Oh, it chases me down Fights till I'm found Leaves the 99 I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it Still you give yourself away Oh, the overwhelming Never-ending Reckless love of God is jealous for me Love's like a hurricane I am a tree Bending beneath The weight of His wind and mercy When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions Eclipsed by glory And I realize just how 
how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And oh, how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us so.